0: now here we go what the hell is that what would you say you do here it's stone's weekly dose it's very hard to say my name correctly I'm like brian yeah brian <laughs> what's your deal? Well, you know what us ultra liberals say. When it comes to drugs, lies are okay. Your midweek download destination. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanooga. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years. Mic drop, turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't change for anyone. Note to self, don't die. Welcome into the show, everybody. This is the Stone on Air podcast, the most listened to, the most downloaded, the most easily accessible show in the southeastern region. And one of the more unique concepts as it's changing each and every week, and it's a different show each and every time I turn it on. Turn on being the microphone, that is. My name is Brian Stone. At Stone on Air is all you need to know to find me on any social media, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, I'm on all of them. Use some more than others. You guys and your selfies, man. I'm seeing more and more of these. Y'all gotta gotta stop this. Stop this. Stop this selfie madness. It's ridiculous. Few days removed here, as it is the 21st of June. So a few days removed from the Riverbend Festival, and a uh, pretty incredible finale to a um, otherwise mostly worthless music festival. And coming up today, in the Stone's Throw segment, I am going to make Riverbend great again. Now, I know what some of you are saying, and some have already been pointing it out on the Facebook page, and when I put the teasers out there saying, Riverbend never was great, bro. Well, yes and no. Great, probably not. But better, good, more defensible? I think so. And um, so in the in the, the, the Stone throw segment, which will be in about 10 minutes or so from right now, I'll uh, I'm going to tell you what they can do to make Riverbend at least great, period, or at least viable or at least a new idea. And really, in the end, it's take Riverbend, tear it up into pieces <laughs> and start over. But that's not going to happen. Not anytime soon. So we'll look at what could potentially be done to make Riverbend great at least one time, Uh, or for the first time, I guess I should say. So we'll do that here in just a few minutes. Uh, Chattanoogatalks.com, each and every uh, Wednesday at 10 a.m. This podcast uh, streams live on Chattanoogatalks.com. If you want to give that a look, I uh, uh, highly encourage you to give that website a look. It's uh, lots of talk radio from around the country, trying to localize it as much as possible. Um, Incredible June. I've talked about it over and over again. If I have a good April and a good June, I'm have a great year. And June has been freaking incredible. And uh, it's I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm not taking the rest of the year off, but I'm taking the next at least month off of doing much of anything. I'll go down to a CFC game or something along those lines, something local. I'll, I'll hit up a couple of those things just for um, you know weekend entertainment purposes. But as far as any any kind of big shindig any kind of fun outing any kind of traveling any kind of uh stadium show any kind of i'm gonna have to put the brakes on that for a little bit because bonnaroo was incredible uh the end of riverbend was fun and april was fun as well too the whole first half of the year has been good what a difference a year makes what a difference a year makes and in the final segment of the podcast version of the show i'm going to talk to you about what happened one year ago this week one year ago On the 24th of June, a pretty monumental thing in my life happened. If you're a regular listener of the show, you probably can take a pretty good guess at that. And the question I'm going to answer, I'm going to put out this question now and answer it at the end of the show. Was this one of the better things that's ever happened to me in my life? I think I know the answer to that. I'm still going to think about it for another 15 minutes or so, maybe 20 at the most. Was it a good thing? What am I happy that it happened? What that was was one year ago this week, and I'll get to that at the end of the show. I was driving around downtown Chattanooga um, sometime in the last week or so here in the month of June, and I get behind a car, and (laughs) I put it out on social media. I already had a couple of wise guys saying, can't wait to hear about this on the podcast. They probably don't listen anyway, but behind a Chevy Malibu LT. It was purchased from Integrity Chevrolet of Chattanooga. The tag number was 6C5 5K7. 6C as in cat, 5, 5K7. That was a tag number of this Chevy Malibu. Cherry red. Expiration on the tags, April 28th. A late model, if I were to guess... I said April 2018, I should say. April 2018, I'm sorry, I'm, I apologize, is the expiration date on these tags. Late model, if I were to guess, a 2013. Stopped right at the light, right there where MLK exit from I-27 gets on to MLK. There were all that works being done and throws garbage just directly, blatantly out the window. I don't understand people who do these kinds of things, especially coming from what would seemingly be what you would consider a higher end person, even though what somebody drives is not an indication of their character or their wealth or their uh, or or anything uh, redeeming qualities whatsoever. It's not clearly it's not. Um, we tend to think that way. We tend to think if you got a junk ass car, you're probably poor, you know, and these kinds of things. And if you got a real nice car, then you probably do real well. Couldn't be further from the ob- uh, from from the the truth. I have a junk ass 15 16 year old car with 220,000 miles on it, and I got enough money in the bank to buy a brand new one right off the lot if I wanted to right now. I just choose not to. You know, the dude over here throwing garbage out the window probably has a four hundred and fifty dollar car payment every month and can barely afford to you know put his put food on the table at the end of each day. But damn, he's got a nice car. So that's an unfair characterization that I put on this person saying, well, you wouldn't think they'd throw garbage out of the window. But they did. So if you happen to know Chevy Malibu LT that was bought at Integrity Chevrolet, Cherry Red, tag number 655K7, with an expiration on those tags of April 2018. Tell that person that they've been exposed on the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga as being litter bugs. But I'm going to make Riverbend great again, or make Riverbend great for the first time, or just give you my thoughts on what needs to be done to make the festival a more viable, real Festival that we can be proud of in this city coming up in a minute, but before that, I want to talk about the Flaming lip show. If you were there, you know, and if you weren't, you probably heard about it. And I'm gonna back up one day to the night before when Toby Keith was the headliner, which was re- really is a huge name. I mean, that, that's a real name, huge country star. I don't know how that went. Don't care. I went to the uh, Driving and Crying show up at Unum and uh jumped in, jumped out, got out of there. But between Friday and especially into Saturday. I got all kinds of grief from mostly friends of mine who for some reason just now picked up on the fact that I think Riverbend sucks and were just like, well, what are you doing here? What do you mean, what am I doing here? Uh, the, one of my favorite bands, Driving to Cry, is playing tonight. And then not one of my favorite bands, but a band I, I really love to see live at, in a festival setting. The Flaming Lips are here tomorrow. If I can figure out how to get in here, someone's going to give me you know, a, a pass to get in here, I'm going to go. I've said it over and over again in the last year and a half. I know how to make Riverbend fun. Riverbend should be fun because festivals and organized events like that are supposed to be fun without somebody having to make it fun. But I know how to make it fun because I've been going for 21 years. So I went, and I was getting killed over this. And I was just like, sorry, bro. If you think I'm uh, hypocritical or whatever, Fine, you know I'm not I'm not exactly worried about it, but so Friday night was fine. It was fine, and uh, then I left, and then Saturday was, as always, a, just a mess downtown because people are obsessed with fireworks in the city, obsessed with fireworks in really not just the city, the entire southeast. We just we love seeing fireworks, and so it doesn't matter who's playing on the stage. It's going to be a a, a big uh, showing, a big attendance down there, and. I had my my wristband and I went in and I had hung out doing my thing all day and having some drinks and enjoying myself and then the show starts and I'm just like holy hell this is incredible. Now I shouldn't be I'm not, or let me rephrase that. I'm not surprised whatsoever that the Flaming Lips put on what can only sometimes be ca- characterized as madness on stage with incredible lighting and incredible um, um, um lasers and, and all choreographed to the music with confetti flying and all this stuff that, I'm not surprised about that I'm just surprised that it happened at Riverbend in that oddball stupid setting of that dumb stage the worst stage in the country Coca-Cola stage but they did and they pulled it off and credit to the organizational uh, the team of stage management and all that I don't know how who does what but whoever was in charge of, of, of being the middleman from the band to the stage to the people here locally to making that all work, good job. Seriously, great job. And, and I didn't think you had it in you, and you did. And then somebody gets, gets a hold of me, a damn good friend of mine, one of my oldest friends, out of left field and says, hey, man, I got a pier pass. You want to come hang out on the pier? Well, of course I do. See, that's what happens when you've been around for 20, 25 years. People hook you up. And so, of course, I'm going to go to Riverbend. Didn't give him a dime of my money. Not one penny went to that festival. Dude gave me a few bucks to buy a drink because I didn't have any money. So I bummed a drink, but I didn't spend any. And so, while, yeah, I think Riverbend totally sucks, that show was simply, it was mesmerizing. I mean, it really was. It was so so good. And if you were there, you know, I was talking to so many people who had no idea who the Flaming Lips were, who who couldn't give a damn less about seeing a show. Generally, they're just there for the for the event, and we're like, "That's the coolest thing I've ever seen on the Coke stage." And I and I agreed. Hashtag best show ever on the Coke stage. So I went for two shows for about a collective two hours to this nine day disaster that is the Riverbend Festival. And for, I mentioned this in other podcasts, for years and years and years, for years, 10 solid years at least, I went out of my way to take up for the festival. I used to take an entire week off of June through Bonnaroo and Riverbend and go every night to both festivals because I thought they were both good. They were both quality. And I was I was playing along the company line a little bit with Riverbend, but I truly meant it because the acts were getting better, and I just, I really, I made the most of it and had fun with it and got VIP a lot, and I thought that was cool until I realized that nobody and from these 60-year-old men from the chip bakers of the world give a damn about me or anybody else younger who's who's got anything to say about anything, and I was being complimentary all the time, and when it really started to go sour on me was, what, was that, Tribute on the on the river after the, uh, the 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 shootings here in July of 2015, and that was put on with some incredibly I don't know the best way to put it in other than just embarrassing things being said on stage by some old corporal corpor somebody from a navy or something, basically saying this happened in Chattanooga because of the president of the United States who was then the one everybody hated then President Barack Obama, and it was. In bad taste, and it was very poorly um, put together. And basically, the only reason Chip Baker apologized for that mess is because I, on the air, forced his hand. And he had a lot of air time in the next day or two and screamed, somebody needs to apologize for this. And come the next day, he did. And so that's when Riverbend started. I started to sour on Riverbend. And then by 2016, I'd had enough of it. And by 2017, I've totally had enough of it But if the Flaming Lips are on the Coke stage, I'm there And if one of my favorite bands, Driving and Crying, is on the Unum stage I'm going to find somebody who's going to give me a free ticket And probably a VIP pass, and I'm going to go And I'm going to tell you exactly how to make Riverbend, if not great again At least great for the first time Heads up! It's Stone's Throw Wait, what? Oh, whoa! Back up the truck! What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Just look at me, I'm stupid, I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? I appreciate you finding the show, however it is you do so. I. Would even more appreciate it if you rated and reviewed on iTunes or any of the podcasting apps that you find the show. Like, share, and always love, and all of that. So, what's the best thing to do with Riverbend? What's the best thing to make Riverbend great again or great for the first time? Well, here's the simple answer. And I can't do a whole segment on the podcast if I go with a simple answer. The simple answer is tear it up and start over. That's the simple answer. Tear it up and start over. Um, we all know that's not going to happen. It's a nonprofit where the executive directors and people at the top and near the top and someone in the middle are all making nice sums of money because it's really easy to be a nonprofit organization when you pay some of the top people high, high ends amount of money. If, I, if I'm giving all you guys the money, well, then clearly there's not any money left over for profit. So there we go. We're a nonprofit. With tax exemptions. That's another podcast for another day. But so the answer is tear it up, start over, and do it over again. So let's let's go let's meet in the middle. We won't tear it up and start over and do it over again. If you were gonna do that, I would say take it somewhere else. I don't know if the river park has a section maybe over in Amnicola or somewhere that has the amount of space to uh, that we that could handle and facilitate a major music festival. Not sure. I'd have to, you know, Basically get the specs on the on the space and and do a bunch of work that I don't feel like doing, quite frankly. So we'll just stick with the current location. Ross's landing. And here's what you do for starters. I got six points here, and then I'm gonna look at some numbers and look at some of the dollar amounts that some of these bands make and give you an example of one night of a new Riverbend, Riverbend 2.0, making Riverbend, Riverbend great again. It's like nine days long from start to finish. I know there's a day, uh, day off, and then there's a Bessie Smith strut, which is needs to be taken outside and you know, put out of its misery. And then there's Faith and Family Night, which doesn't need to exist either because there's already J-Fest in this city. Come back to that here in a minute, too. So step one to making Riverbend great, four days. It needs to be a four-day festival. Thursday through Sunday. Pick which month, which week in June you want to do it. Thursday through Sunday. Now, you—that that is the Bonnaroo model. I know you're like, oh, you're trying to make this Bonnaroo. No, I'm not. Just take the four days, Thursday through Sunday, make Thursday a new Bessie Smith strut. Let's start over with the Bessie Smith strut. Let's figure out a way to make it viable and relevant again. And let's make it the kickoff of Riverbend on a Thursday. You could even do it down at, uh, at, at Ross's Landing if you want. I don't suggest that. I still think it should stay at MLK, and we should try to figure out a way to make it, and, and you can use this here, how do you make the Bessie Smith Strut great again? Because it did used to be great. Now, there was a lot of bad things that went along with it, but it was a fun event that people generally liked until people started dying and, uh, you know, things like that, and unregulated alcohol sales and drug deals and all those kinds of things that we tend to frown upon, at least most of us in, in that capacity in a black market situation do. So, Bessie Smith Strut, reboot on a Thursday. Then you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's your riverbed. Step two, three stages, three stages. I guess keep the Coke stage since we're gonna keep with the current model. Keep the Coke stage, I guess, for this, for for this example, and this hypothetical. We'll leave the Coke stage where it's at. You have a second stage. It could still be that other one that we they have over to the left. Position it somewhere. Maybe make it a little bit bigger. And then have a third stage. Only one more third stage. And maybe put it all the way up at Unum or maybe drop it in down closer to Market Street Bridge maybe. And that will be the local regional stage. And it will be sponsored like crazy by people in the city who support local music. That is such a big thing in the, in the city right now. Whether you agree that it's you know is, is, as, as viable as as some people think, that's not the argument. That's not the conversation right here. The point is, there's a lot of people who are supporting local music. You make a third stage, one of only three, and it's regional local music all three nights of the festival. There is no wondering whether this band I see on the Bud stage this time or this band on the TVC, you do do ABCDF stage over here. I wonder if they're from here. Where are they from? Who are they? No questions. We've got the regional local stage right here, and it's not a little kids' table stage. It'll be a decent-sized, respectable stage. So you got your three stages. Number three, this one's simple: cash transactions. The the tokens got to go. Card, the carnival, you know, the county fair aspect. We got to get that out of here. If you've got to get more, I don't know how the current um, financial dealings are with these vendors. I don't know how that works. If it's got to go to more, just uh, subcontracting through food trucks. I mean, food trucks is one of the the biggest booming businesses in, in thriving. Um, areas of, of of entertainment districts, put put nothing but food trucks down there. We don't funnel cakes and chicken on a freaking stick aren't making people rich at this festival. I know a few people are, don't want to hear that, and some of these vendors who are there all the time want to continue to sell their freaking cotton candy. But this isn't a fair. This isn't a county fair or a carnival. It's a music festival, and if you've got to get it to more independently contracted, so they can go about their own business with their own liabilities and take cash money then that's what you need to do. Tokens gone out of here done. Carnival aspect we got to get away from. Number 4. Reposition the Coke hospitality. If we're going to leave the Coke stage there, I'm I'm holding my hands up in the air and I'm and I'm I'm giving up on that. I'm letting you keep the Coke stage. But we have to do away with the way the hospitality and the VIP section is set up. Now I know nobody none of you that have it every year want to hear this, but you're not a regular festival patron. You're just you're just somebody who knows somebody or works for one of these corporate shills and these uh, you know, these back scratching big money people that, that make this possible to have this big county fair. You don't want to hear that, but you can still have your Coke Hospitality. You can still be on the barge, and then you fence it off to where it, maybe it just goes up to the pier. So you've got the pier is the VIP area, and then down below as you walk through down to the pier, and then you have your own little entrance there to the side to go under the barge, and then you can still walk out in front, but instead now everybody who shows up to this festival can walk down in front. Star seating, gone. See ya. I know people don't want to hear about that because you're losing sales. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you to increase these ticket prices in the next step by at least at least 60-70%, if not 100%. And that'll take care of some of your losses in sales in those stupid star seating that nobody really wants anyway. So, reposition the co hospitality, star seat seating is gone, and basically you open up the entire riverfront just like you do the brew fest. You come and go. You position yourself on the on the, the steps going up if you want. You go down below if you want. There's no $10 to bring a blanket. There's no star seating. It's wide open, just like normal music festivals are. Number five, get RFID wristbands. If you're not familiar with these, they're like, they're basically cloth, cloth wristbands that are set up to where if you try to take them off, you'll basically shred it and ruin it. You wear it for the whole time. It's perfectly fine as far as you can shower with it. It's not a big deal. Doesn't get in your way from regular day life, and we're only talking about a four-day festival here, anyway. And it's got a little chip on it where you scan in and out. I looked up how much these things cost. If you get them in bulk of ten thousand, and I'm thinking you're going to need at least thirty thousand of them, they're sixty cents a piece. Sixty cents a piece for these wristbands, not these little plastic little snap-on, snap-off junk that they use down here for this fest the last couple of years. This is real industry. Standard festival, festival uh, uh, ticketing, wristbanding, uh, braceleting, if you will. You get those. Here's what you do. You charge seventy-five dollars a piece for these in an early bird tiered pricing for the Riverbend Festival. Whoa, wait, are you kidding me? Seventy-five dollars, Brian. It's only forty bucks. Why would he? Because forty dollars means you're selling a piece of crap. Oh, it only costs $40. You know why? Because you're selling junk. Of course, it only costs $40. No one's gonna pay any more than that because it sucks. And you can dupe a bunch of people from the rural counties into buying these things or getting them from their work, and because they're as they're all sold in these massive corporate allotments, and then they come up and they think they're having fun when they sit around with their cutoff shorts and they're, you know, again, it's not exactly the crowd that a very vibrant and relevant scene is all that interested in being around. I know. I know, what you're, I know what the argument is against. Well, there's, their money spends the same, too, and I get it. $75 a piece for your early bird tiered pricing. Top out at $100 for the entire weekend after that tiered goes up to its top. And if you want to do single day $65 a day, go ahead and do that. And you know what you've still become? One of the most inexpensive festivals in the country. At $75 early bird, $100 at the top end, and $65 a day, you're still the most inexpensive, affordable festival in the country. If you sell 30,000 wristbands, RFID wristbands, for $75 a piece, and again, that's the lowest price, that's $2.25 million. $2.25 million. And you're in. You're gold. You're done. And you don't have to worry about it. Think about this, too. How many people do you know that go to Riverbend and never pay for it? I've been going to Riverbend for 21 years. I have never paid once for a Riverbend pin or bracelet. Okay, so I get it. The argument is, well, of course you don't, Brian. You get hooked up because you know some people and you worked in the, you know, the media for a while. Okay, fine. Everybody else I've ever gone with every year, they're not paying for it either. Does that sound like a viable Economic idea, a good business plan. We've got a festival where it feels like virtually every night most people here didn't pay to get in. Yeah, I don't think that's a very good way to continue approaching this. $75 a piece at $30,000, and you got $2.25 million. And do away with Faith and Family Night. Let's do away with it, done with it. we got got JFest, big Christian festival every single year, put on by the big Christian... FM radio station here in town, J-103. We don't need another one of these. It's going to piss people off. Of course it is. They're going to be mad. But J-Fest is huge. Christian concert every year put on by, hey, actual Christians. <laughs> Real Christians. People who actually practice what they preach. Not just some, hey, look at us. We can have, you know, D.C. talk in town and act like we care about this. Get rid of that. Have a three-day festival. Four days counting the rebooted... um. Bessie Smith Strut, and there you go. You have a brand new, brand new festival. And it still resembles the old one. And while it might not be made great again because it might not have ever been great, it'll be a hell of a lot better with those parameters. And those are basic festival logistics, and ideas. I'm not coming up with anything anybody else didn't already know. A look at some of these numbers from just around the Internet. George Thurgood, roughly, it brings in about $75,000 for a show. Ludicrous, $80,000 for a show. Flaming Lips in the neighborhood of $100,000. Corey Smith, $20,000. Toby Keith can get up as much to a half a million to a million. And so these are high-end acts that that cost a lot of money, whether they're necessarily, you you think they're high-end from a quality standpoint. They're still getting paid like it. Well, if you took the first day, I, I made this up. Totally made this up. This is day one of the new Riverbend 2.0, making it great again. On the main stage at 9 o'clock, Alabama Shakes. At 7 o'clock, will be Drive-By Truckers. At 4 o'clock, will be Blackberry Smoke. Of course, I'm picking bands I like. All right? Second stage, Cold War Kids at 8. Grace Potter at 6. Galactic at 5. Again, making it up. And on the local stage, 10 o'clock, the Bohannons; 8 o'clock, Sam Killed the Bear. 6 o'clock, Strung Like a Horse. 3 o'clock, the Communicators. And you know how much all that cost? You know how much that costs? Under $200,000. That is right around one-third, maybe a little bit more than that, than the festival spends on an entire nine days as we speak right now. So you've got money to play with for another third, and you might have to get a little creative, And but you're bringing in, again, $2.25 million in ticket sales. When right now, your, all your money generation is mostly from corporate sponsorships from Bud Light, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, Food City, Unum. They're, they're supplying all your money. You're making some money off tickets. You're making some money off wristbands. I'm telling you how to make most of your money off wristbands and tickets. An admission, and now you've got acts that people want to actually see. Again, interchange these all. I, I did the math on what these, what these these kinds of acts charge in this day and age, right now in 2017, and a killer lineup of music for one day will be less than $200,000 out of your $2.25 million in ticket sales. There you go. I fixed Riverbend. <laughs> I I know it's more difficult than that. I know it's always more difficult than some guy barking into a microphone or barking into a telephone or yelling over some beers at the bar. I know it's more complicated than that. But this is a county fair, it's a carnival, and it's embarrassing to an other, otherwise very progressive city. This is a Flaming Lips on the way out. And coming up next, this time last year, this week last year, something happened to me, and I'm not sure if it was the best thing that ever happened to me or not, but it very well might be. And I'll tell you about that coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast and at StoneOnAir.com. Stone on Air podcast. This is the Flaming Lips. Turn it on. Put your face up to the window. Tell me all about your gay folks. It feels better. From the album, I want to say 1993, Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. got the orange vinyl in a frame right here in the palatial studios it is the upstairs man cave of my house but of course my whole house is a man cave but whatever see See, if you want cage elephant for the new river bend you can get them for 50 50k if you want g love you can get him for around 40k you want Death Cab for Cutie, it costs you about $85. It if you want the Decemberist, you can get them for about $60,000. Cat Power, about fifty dollars If you want Grace Potter, it's going to cost you around $30,000. No if you want to go on the cheap, You can get the Disco Biscuits for about $15,000. You can get North Mississippi All Stars for around $10,000. You can get Of Montreal for about $15,000. You don't have to have George Thorogood and Boz Skaggs and whatever lame ass things they had this year. Shrink it down, make it more practical. And people will pay for high quality entertainment. I promise. To all those other stations, turn it on. Sorry. All right, so it is June, halfway through the year 2017. Life just kind of evaporates, just disappears. Time flies, and it ain't got a thing to do with whether you're having any fun or not. Certainly goes fast when you're having fun, but I can assure you that when things totally suck, it's going pretty fast as well. In 2016, I had about a bad a year as you could have. And I, I mean that in relative terms. I, I, I understand if, if somebody's having some major you know health issues or some uh, terrible tragedies in their life and in their family and things like that, then clearly I didn't have that bad of a year. Uh, so let, let, let me let me definitely step back and preface that right there. I had as about as bad a year as you could have when it just comes to general everyday life stuff, from emotional based things and relationship kind of things. To work-related things, to um, financial uh, stability and uh, um, emotional uh, reactions to that—that that kind of thing. Right? Nobody died. Everybody's healthy for the most part. You know, so I don't—I don't mean to be that guy. I don't mean to be over-dramatized guy. But in relative speaking, if you take a list of the years and you know, of my 37 years on this planet, and you start to rank them, it ranks right there at the top as one of the crappiest ones. And part of that is is because of again of anecdotal circumstantial stuff that doesn't matter to anybody else. And that was the beginning of the year last year. And at the end of 15, I was beginning to put together these new ideas for a new show and podcast and trying to branch out into new media before I even really understand uh, understood what new media was. So that was that was going on 2 years ago when I first started to at least try to educate myself as to what new media was and so at the turn of the year i started doing the new show over at the old station the uh, local music show now all of a sudden there's local music shows all over and people are trying to do all these ideas that i had before anybody did you know back then and that's fine you know there's there's room for for everybody to to attempt to do their thing i'm not i'm not being a hater but at the beginning of the year, things didn't go well in my personal life, and that was fine. And it kind of faded off into late spring and into the summer. And then I went to Bonru and saw Pearl Jam. So that was fun and things were okay, I guess. And then I get back from Bonru, which would have been obviously in the middle of June. And then on June 24th, 2016, absolutely out of nowhere on a Friday was fired by Talk Radio 102.3 by gutless cowards by the name of John Lewis, who you've never heard of, uh, Scott Chase, who if you have heard of, you're not very impressed with, Bill Lockhart sat in the room, spineless as well, but he, I knew his hands are tied. Like, he he, he couldn't say or do anything. It was unilateral. He didn't have any say, and if he wants to keep his job, he better shut the hell up and march along with the orders. But that's pretty much how that station and that company and that really overall industry works now. Shut up and get in line or get missing. And that's, you know, so I get it. I'm not mad at Bill. Scott Chase can go jump off a bridge. John Lewis, you've never even heard of, I can't believe is still in this city and won't be here for too much longer. I'm sure he'll be gone one of these days. Gutless cowards. But well, they went through my Facebook page, it's a long story, found some stuff on the messenger that they didn't like, printed it off, just, I mean, borderline illegal stuff. A lot of times people were, you know, kind of saying, hey man, what, you, what are you, you're just burning bridges, man, you shouldn't do that. You know how I know I didn't burn a bridge? It's because I didn't sue those assholes. That's how I know I didn't burn any bridge, because I didn't sue them. I had a, a lawyer sitting there right there ready to go and just say, screw it, let's just see what happens he was looking for the publicity i was i had hundreds of shares on social media people were just like what the hell is the matter with these with these punks and that's exactly what they are punks and they create terrible content and it's just boring stuff so whatever good for them and or bad for them or who cares for them you know 55 to 70 year old men and women you know good luck punks so since that happened lots of things have changed and it's mostly has been working out pretty good. And shortly after that, I talked to several different people, hundreds of people, dozens of people a week, constantly. And most were all, I won't even say most, all of them were good-natured, well-intentioned people. But I constantly heard, I think you're going to find out that this was the best thing that ever happened to you. I think you'll realize that this was the best thing that ever happened to you. And in every one of those situations, it depended on how polite I wanted to be, I would say getting fired from this radio station that I've worked at for a decade and a half tirelessly with through thorough dedication was not and ever will be the best thing that ever happened to me. Thank you very much for your contributions to this conversation. Now, clearly, I was in a place where I didn't want to hear those kinds of things. I think we can all understand that it was a well-intentioned comment. And I think just as much we can all understand that that comment wouldn't have been taken well by anybody who was in that position living it at the time. I think they were close to right. I think they were pretty close to right. Meaning correct. Let me back up just a little bit. At the end of 2015... I made $10 an hour for 15 years at Cumulus, Chattanooga, Citadel, before that. Same company, same cowards, just different names. $10 an hour. And by the end of 15, I was beginning to get sick of only making $10 an hour as I was doing some of the most work. Some of the best work, might I add. And I don't mind boasting about it because I've said it in the past. I'm only good at one thing, and it was that. So allow me to be a little arrogant about it. And so while I'm watching myself doing most of the work, doing very good work, and getting none of the compensation, it was starting to get on my nerves around the end of 2015. 35 years old at this time, getting a little sick of feeling, you know, I'm feeling like I'm being taken advantage of, and I'm a little tired of it. And so I bring this up to Scott Chase, that gutless coward, and Kevin West, who I uh, admire dearly, in a meeting just to say, hey. I just want you to know that over the course of the next couple of years, which would have put me right here now, in the middle of this year, in the middle of June 2017, this conversation uh, almost two years ago would, would be forecasting until now, saying that I am in the business of trying to monetize my talents, and in the business plan of my life, $10 an hour jobs? are not in the mix going forward for much longer. Now, this was a constructive conversation. This was not combative. This was not antagonistic. This was a constructive conversation. And they both looked at me and said, good for you. I agree. How can you argue with that? Trying to better yourself, trying to do things better than you used to do it, and trying to get better compensated. You can't argue with that. And they didn't, you know. Fast forward, then you know, seven months, and they fired me. But so, what I ended up wanting to do happened. I distanced myself away from work that wasn't making me happy, work that wasn't satisfying my creative outlet, my creative uh, Jones, if you will, that 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 need to be able to do something that I was proud of. And i am distanced myself from that now. Now, never did I imagine wanting to alienate a certain media company in the city, but never has that media company meant less than they do now. And after a year of trial and error and trying to figure out how this new media concept works, I'm finally kind of figuring it out. And I'm finally beginning to understand how this works. And in one year... This new media concept has taken off in certain areas of the country and a little bit in this city. And to a certain degree, some of you're going to roll your eyes. I'm a little bit of a pioneer on how some of this is going. Just look around. There's now a bunch of podcasts that are very similar to the way this one is put together. Not nearly as high-end quality as far as uh, as, far, as far as production and all that, but I mean that's not that's not to talk any junk. I'm a professional at this. This is what I do. This is how I, what I do well. But it's, it's a thing now. It's real. And it's exciting. And so while getting fired from that radio station one year ago this week was not the best thing to ever happen to me. It was, I think, a good thing to happen. I think it was something that forced me to start looking into more relevant and viable options in my life. Had I not done that, had I not been forced to do that, now I might have my own radio show right now, but who the hell cares if no one's listening? Because nobody is listening. Nobody who matters. I have a friend right now that I hang out with her. She's uh 10 years younger than me. And her friends are 10 to 12, 13 years younger than me. And I, I talk to them about their listening habits and what they do. And it's basically, why would you want to be on the radio? What, do you want to make sure nobody can hear you? You know, and as a little flippant way to put it, but there are a couple of stations that still do some good things in the city, but not many, not many. And I, I think that that happening a year ago was something that I needed. I'm not happy. I'm still not. I'm still not going to concede and say it's the best thing to ever happen to me. But I will say that I think it is a really good turning point in my life. At my age, going on forty, it's time to explore these new mediums, these new media distribution uh, ways of of handling this kind of product and I got to keep at it and I'm excited and I'm happy as I've been in a while. Things are good. April was great. June was great. Life is pretty damn good. The company I'm keeping is pretty damn good and I'm pretty happy overall. Now, monetizing the way this stuff goes is still very difficult, but I'll tell you what I don't miss was all the bull bleep that I had to put up with at that stupid radio station. While it was beloved to me for a long time and a lot of the things about it I miss, and that live radio concept sure is something that I love to do. But I don't miss it. Overall, on a daily basis, and especially the lame, lame content coming from that building and those lame, gutless cowards, half of them, they are working over there. A few of them I still love to death. Jeff Styles, you know, I love them. Kevin, love them. Bill, love them. But your product sucks. Your radio station sucks. And nobody cares about it anymore. So why not focus on things that people do care about? And that's people who are listening to different things online because that's what we all do now. And if you listen to this show, I've said it over and over again, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you and I appreciate it so very much. Coming up here in the, in the near future, I still hope to do um, a show with Clay uh, uh, Clay Bennett from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, the uh, editorial cartoonist. He has said that he will do the show. I'm thinking about trying to do it down at Songbirds. I'm still trying to put that together. Haven't done a live uh, remote show in, a, in about a month and a half, so I hope to do one of those again soon. And every single Wednesday, your midweek download destination is right here wherever you download this show, and you can also get it on chattanoogatalks.com. uh, at 10 a.m. every Wednesday if you want to go that route as well. I've gone way longer than I normally do, or at least I'm used to. I'm getting a little longer these days, and I hope you don't mind and if you're still here. I really, really appreciate it. At Stone On Air is how you find the show. Do you realize this is the Flaming Lips, a song they ended with on Saturday night at Riverbend. As the fireworks started, it was choreographed pretty darn well. Again, to everybody who was involved with that night and that stage production, good work. Good work. It was an excellent night. The festival still totally sucks, but good work. And uh, Riverbend 2.0, I already told you how to fix that. It won't happen anytime soon, or maybe ever, as long as 60-year-old men, 70-year-old men and women continue to bore this city like that radio station, like that festival. And while they continue to make all the money, well, we're stuck with embarrassing products. But that doesn't mean we still can't do fun and cool things and, you know, who knows? Maybe we get some some like-minded people together and some, and some money flowing, and maybe we can put on our own festival one of these days. Who knows? In the grand scheme of things, I'm still pretty young. So on that note, on the way out, do not be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember, and in 2017, this space is growing, and I appreciate your participation. See you later. Bye.